Coming up, Anson Mount joins Ileana in just a minute. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, it's the I Blame Dennis Hopper podcast, starring Ileana Douglas. Eavesdrop with Ileana as she interviews Hollywood's most prominent players about filmmaking, acting, and what really happens on the set of your favorite flicks and TV shows. Hello, everyone. Cheers. That's tea. <laughs> I was mixing it up. I am Ileana Douglas. Welcome to the I Blame Dennis Hopper podcast. I'm here with my lovely co-host, Tamara Berg. Hi, everybody. We're very excited. Our our good friend, Anson Mount, is is in the studio. He's we not have, my good friend yet, but... He will be. He will hoping. be. But we were like, we were joking before. We were like, what's what's it like when you're just that good-looking, handsome... I, the chiseled jaw, I know. the it's piercing all, It's eyes. all clay. It's all clay. None of it is... <laughs> None of it is real. But um, and we're going to get to it in a minute. But uh, one of the things that's so uh, great, I was doing research about uh, Anson, and he was talking about on this incredible show that he did, which I loved, called Hell on Wheels. It was a f- fantastic show about the building of the, the railroad across America. But um, he, had to u- he had to ride horses and use guns. And in the old days, in the old movies, you know, I always read that people like Burt Lancaster, you know, they do their own stunts and they, yeah. they, they do everything. They, they had their own horse at the studio, you know, and we got out of that. And so there is no training for an actor to learn how to use a gun. Or I know. would think there would be, I really do think there no. would, I mean, there would be No, what, what happens is that I, I've done a couple movies where I had to use a gun and, and the, you know, they're so afraid that like, they don't even let you, hold the gun they give sure. you like a five minute you know you're off camera going all right this is why every actor looks ridiculous holding a gun <laughs> holding right a exactly gun yeah because they barely let you they give you a fake gun i'm like well that's not going to help because so that's fake what what um, a couple examples of things that you have held guns in um the movie um uh sink or swim okay um and you know i i have to hold a gun and i think uh, i'm trying to think what other movie i think uh Search and destroy, maybe. But, I so you it. you knew, but you knew beforehand that you were going to have to hold a gun. Yeah. Yes. And I would. I mean, did, were you nervous about it? Did oh, you terrifying. Prepare? Be- yeah, because when what happens is that they give you a fake gun, and I had to I had to know how to. I had to be very experienced in loading and unloading a forty five. Oh my gosh. So, okay, so it wasn't just holding and pointing and doing that. No, so you have you have yeah, you have to be there with a safety person of and course. you're on cut you can't take it off the set and you have to you know practice and I try you know, I tried to practice but as much as I could, but as I was saying before, in when I, you know, when I'm obsessively listening to my uh, <laughs> commentaries, and John Frankenheimer, he would talk about like they did this movie Gypsy Moths, and you know everybody got their parachute and they practiced for weeks of how to load a parachute in, so that by the time they did it in the movie, it was secondhand. Proficient, sure. And oftentimes with movies these days, you just never. You know, given enough right. time. I know one time I did a movie which unfortunately fell apart and never came out about girls working in the mills in the 1800s. Wow. And we did, that was actually kind of fun. We went and we learned how to 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 work with the, you know, putting the thread in mm-hmm. and all of that. So mm-hmm. that was that was kind of fun. But most times you, you just, you barely, you know, have uh, an opportunity to, to work on things. And and uh, that was one of the things I noticed with Anson. He's he's so proficient with his the guns and right. uh, the horses and putting on a saddle and you know these are things that like you you don't you don't think about right. Um, and I would think it would be distracting too to to not feel like you know you're at home with these things in front of you because you've talked before on the podcast about how you like to oh, sort of immerse yourself in what's completely. going on around you and you know pour your own orange juice and yes. and that sort of thing so is does it take like this does it take away from your performance is it I completely mean, just, yeah. I've, I've mentioned this before how funny it is these days on a movie where you, you can't they don't want you to touch anything you know I'll get that for you you know the props is like already you know they're pouring your orange juice they get really mad like you, you know they they uh, we don't have a, a shot but it's like you know Oh, now I have to refill your tea, or can you not sip that until you're on camera? So, 
there's all sorts of um, you know rules now that that make it a a little bit more challenging. Wow. One of the hardest things I ever had to do is when I worked on Cape Fear and I had to, well, I've done, I have to do this a couple times, but I did not know how to drive when I had to do a scene in Cape Fear that was very complicated dialogue and complicated shot in which I was talking to Nick Nolte and then I had to back up and then somehow the camera was going to rack focus and De Niro, Robert De Niro, is going to drive by and they're going to rack focus to him, Mm -hmm. meaning he's spying on us. And it was really, I didn't know how to drive and I was panicking and I had a briefcase. (laughs) Like, I didn't know. I was like, I'm an actor. It was like suddenly so fake. And I got in the car and I I backed up and I went over the sandbags. Uh, You know, I almost, the crew started screaming and stuff. So, (laughs) and, but that was because I never got a chance to practice. Right. I'm still reliving it, by the way. They were, um, but. You know, it's it's tough. It's always I always ask, and and again, I've been saddled just bizarrely with. Uh, I'm always the character who gets cast, who has a cool car, has a cool stick. They're like, we give you a really cool Mustang. And I'm like, great. I don't know how to do a stick shift. So I'm, I've been called upon many times to uh, drive a stick shift, and you always, you know, once you start talking and filming and there's a camera rig on everything it's always it gets a little bit scary and i nearly killed steve there's a whole list of actors i nearly killed oh fantastic same, we should put that on the website same movie sink or swim yeah. Stephen ray there's a scene oh, yeah. where i had to uh drive a uh uh this french foreign car stick ship down where the chateau marmont was and cross traffic Across sunset or whatever. Yeah, again, Good no, gracious. you know, low budget, no, no, yeah, police, no police, no, you know, just ah, oh, we'll go. It won't be bar. I was like, I do not know how to drive a stick shift. And Stephen Ray was like, she, she nearly killed me. He was very upset. He didn't want to get in the car with me again. To to mm. do, we had to do another, you know, another take of it. And I was like, well, you're oh. lost, Stephen Ray. He made it out alive, though, yes. didn't he? Didn't but he? Uh, anyway, the um, we're going to get... Anson Mount is, as I said, been a longtime friend. Yeah. And is a fantastic uh, actor. And I think, you know, he... Of course, Hell on Wheels is probably his most famous... Yeah, I would think so. His, his most famous show. But he before that, Let's he was on Law and & Order and In the Line of Fire, um, Third Watch. And, of course, his numerous films that he's been in uh in her shoes and he's 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 denying are you denying the britney spears movie crossroads <laughs> are you denying it is it is it not of course not okay ladies and gentlemen <laughs> please welcome anson mount we were saying i mean come on anson do you get teased and we're friends i've never asked you this and you know I adore you. Do you ever get teased that like you're just too good looking and it's not fair? I I, I get <laughs> like, turned down for for work because of that. Uh, like, yeah. is there a pushback? Uh, from me or what do you mean? But do you think you're good looking? Like, do you think like I'm a handsome? I, I don't mean you're conceited, but you. I'm just that guy in the mirror every morning. Do you look like <laughs> your I mom? Don't, and I don't. Your dad? Stay, I don't wake up in the morning. And go wow. Jesus I am really look good looking. Look at me. <laughs> really? Because in that picture, you kind of do. Um, no. no, I, I actually, it's, 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 it, it gets in the way. It can more hinder than anything. Yeah, it can yeah. hinder. It can hinder things. Um, was your, was your dad good looking? Cause he was, he was a very good looking man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we actually, we, we looked very similar. When I was in college, I had his, uh, college, uh, composite on my wall and people would, if they came in my room, they asked me why I had a picture of myself on, <laughs> on the wall. Because I'm so damn good looking. <laughs> I was like, you know, they, it is 1993. We don't have photo tinting anymore. Well, I always thought one of the great, I mean, that's why we're going to get to Hell on Wheels, which you know I absolutely, oh, I just love that show because I love history. And uh, I thought it was such a well-made show. Thanks. But you had, and I was so happy for you as an actor that you find it, it felt like you finally found the role that was just dead on perfect for you because I think you're classically handsome, but in almost like a turn of the century kind of a way, mm. you know. Like it's so a, funny. I used to get told that I was too contemporary looking to do period, which whatever the hell kidding. that means. I that's so funny. Yeah. I completely disagree because I think what's so funny in doing my research when I was watching Crossroads, it's like. 
okay, you look like you're, you know, you could be in 1965. Have you ever done any 60s stuff? No, I don't uh, think so, but I'd love to. You've got like a great, like, you know, Camelot, Kennedy era. Right. Yeah. That's got to be yeah, your yeah. next. Yeah. That's how I would, I would, I'd put you in that. Um, I want to do something set in in Hollywood in the sixties. Yeah, in the, the greatest Lou Wasserman uh, kind of time. Yeah, I mean that's you know that's kind of my that's my favorite. End of the the real the very end of the studio system. Yeah, and sort of like everybody's having to grab power real quick and figure out how this thing is going to work. Well, it's interesting because you know we were and we were just talking to Annette O'Toole again. She was one of those people. Uh, um, Ed Begley Jr., like they came in at the literally the tail end of the studio system, but where some of them still had contracts, but they were doing television, you know, they were doing Gunsmoke and like yeah. different little, you know, TV things. Well, you know, you know what I was talking about this the other day? You know what Lou Wasserman did that was so smart? What? Is he, around this time, he um, had taken over Universal mm-hmm. and he went to uh, Paramount and a lot of the other studios and he said, I. I want to. I kind of want to buy up your old film rights, and they're like, they've already run. They're over. They're just sitting in a vault. He said, "Yeah, yeah. I'm just. I'm thinking about maybe like doing a preservation thing at some point. I just love your movies. I just like they're really good, and I just I'd like to include them in my collection." And I said, "All right." So yeah. So he got all these movies for a nickel, and then he invented television syndication, and made a fortune. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. that's a, smart. I didn't know that. That's very, that was smart. And so we're talking about movies now. We always start the show with my favorite question: Do you remember the first movie you saw, and who took you to see it? My mom mm-hmm. <laughs> took me to see Harold and Maude. Oh, oh my God, that's a great one. That's yeah. great. And funny enough, my next memory of a movie I think is being there. Another Hal Ashby movie. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Did you, uh, well, let's go back to Harold and So you had two Hal Ashby movies. Mm. And what did you think of Harold and Maude? Did you think it was funny? Did you oh, get yeah. it? Oh, yeah. I, I absolutely, my mother was made sure to tell me he's just pretending to, to kill himself, so <laughs> don't take it seriously. And yeah. so as soon as she told me that, I was like, oh, oh, okay, I get it. That's funny. And uh-huh. I, and, um, I just love the 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 friendship between these two people that, and I got, I got it. It's such a simple premise, that mm-hmm. movie done so well that. I can't remember how old I was, but yeah. um, I I just saw immediately how he had too much death and needed life, and she had too much life and needed death, and I yeah. just thought that was really a cool idea. Yeah, it's a beautiful film. I remember the first time I saw, oh my God, when that Cat Stevens song came on at the end, <laughs> Trouble. I used to use that. That was like one of my crying songs when I got into acting. <laughs> right. Did you ever have crying songs? Man, I tried that one time. It didn't work. And I was oh just getting too God. mental. I, I because know. I could associate it with the movie. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, I get that. And I yeah. had, Trouble was one of my crying songs. And then, you know, my other one was A Woman's Work from She's Having a Baby. <laughs> Kevin, yeah. Kevin Bacon. Wait, is that the uh, the Tony, what was that? What was the musician's name? Uh, that's Kate Bush. Kate or, Bush. Yeah. Kate Bush. Yeah, that that song. Who was it? And in the movie, you see that little drop of blood hit yes! the floor. Yes. <laughs> that that was... movie is so good. Yeah. I, I was like, that was for me like a weepy. That's that was a movie where again I'd be like, I'm horrified. I'm yeah. crying this much. You know the one the one time I tried that technique and yeah. it kind of worked is yeah. I used. Um, <laughs> Concrete Blonde's Joey. Uh-huh. You know that song? No. It's the it's the one where it's a beautiful song, but she's basically it's a an old lover who they had a bad breakup mm-hmm. and she he's clearly in a bad place and she knows he's somewhere out there um passed out on the floor. Oh, whoa, whoa, Joey, I'm not angry anymore. And it was just yeah. it's just this forgiveness of this woman screaming, making uh-huh. this hit to hoping that it'll end up on a jukebox somewhere where he'll uh-huh. be. It just just tore me up. Oh good. Yeah. Okay. I gotta I'm gonna check that one out. So now yeah. you were so this, did you see being there, were you in Tennessee at the time? In Nashville, yeah. At the Belcourt Twin. Was there any? Because I know you were born in Illinois, but do you really think? Was there any transition? I don't remember Illinois. At oh, all. so you really? No. So you grew my, up? In- well, my father's from White Bluff, Tennessee, but then mm-hmm. he became an executive for Playboy magazine, and they were based in Chicago. My mother's from South Carolina; couldn't handle the winters, and um, so 
then there was this new invention called a fax machine. <laughs> and my father, being a, a three-article-a-year journalist, could do his work from Tennessee, so we moved to his home- hometown. And was it uh, was it uh, everything we imagine? You know, rolling green hills and horses. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Tennessee it is was, beautiful. I have some family stuff going on. I'm just going to make sure that that's not that. Okay. I'm, now I'll turn my phone off. Oh, I apologize. Okay. No, please. Um, uh, it was family. absolutely gorgeous. I, we grew up right on uh, Highway 70, mm-hmm. which is one of the those highways that stretches all the way across the states. But I was told to look both ways before I crossed the highway. But once I got across the highway into right. the forest, I was fine. Yeah. And, yeah, it was really idyllic. I was a member of the Boy Scouts. Aw. Did you, what, what were some of your badges that you, did you, were you polite or did you have a good top knot? <laughs> top knot. <laughs> I don't know. Is that, I top knot is the thing, oh. and it's the thing that samurais tie Just their hair in. I was a hippie. <laughs> you know, my parents were like, you couldn't, I wanted, I couldn't be a brownie. That was too establishment, too bourgeois. Yeah. Oh, I hate my parents. <laughs> They ruined my life. Um, so yeah, I wanted. So you were yeah. Yeah, no, I, I made it to Life Scout oh, and didn't quite make it to Eagle, but oh. I still stay in touch with my Scoutmaster. Uh, I actually I, I took my girlfriend now my fiance mm-hmm. down there. Um, I guess in the spring or last fall, last fall, yeah. last fall, and and Irvin took us on a on a nature hike. Well, that's key. Was quizzing her about all the trees by the end. Yeah. You say, what, what is this leaf? Exactly. He does that. This? He does? Yeah. Is this an edible mushroom? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can see how a girl could, things could go horribly wrong. <laughs> Am I being tested? What is going, you know? Be like, I'm sorry. Yeah. You did not pass. <laughs> Here's your scout. That sounds like a ruin. I feel like we're no. writing a rom-com. You mistook a mushroom for a grapevine. That's, yeah. You're not passing. I feel like you're, you're like, your scout leader? Doesn't approve of me. <laughs> no, like a rock. I think he approved. She did well, oh. and she's a photographer, so she had Aww. she had records. The um, I, yeah, that didn't tell you. I got engaged. I I, I know that's incredible. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, yes, you can say congratulations to them. Yeah. He, yeah. she still has to pass me, but okay. No. Yeah, I'll get her out here eventually. Okay. Um. So, were you playing? Uh, I mean, were you born to play a cowboy? Were you doing? Were you? Did you have horses? I even I I had no, horses. A lot of my friends had horses. Uh, so I grew up comfortable on a horse. Uh huh. Um, always playing cowboys and Indians. Yeah, that's my early memory. Earliest memory of play was I had a white cowboy hat and a plastic sheriff's badge and a Aww. plastic gun and holster. And uh-huh. and I thought that the half crashed down tree in our front yard was a horse. And yeah. Um, yeah, so it, did you it have was westerns? Like when I grew up, we had the big vet. We had reruns of the Big Valley. That was our favorite. We had Rifleman. Mm-hmm. Oh, you had Rifleman. Uh, Gunsmoke. Wow. Yeah. We for some reason I didn't I didn't I just remember four o'clock like getting home from school in the Big Valley. Oh, you know what we had? What well, the big influence was on the? You remember the UHF channel? Yes, right? of course. The local access <laughs> channel is called the UHF UHF channel, and um, every. I believe it was Saturday. There would be in the afternoon, there would be a doubleheader of either two Westerns or two martial arts films. Mm -hmm. And they're really kind of plot-wise the same thing. And and that's where I got to watch a lot of those 60s and 70s Westerns. Yeah. And um, that was just my escape. Yeah. So, so going in, when you did, did you have any kind of preconceived thought when you when you first got um, cast in on Helen Wheels? Did you? W- w- so, I want to start first with like the look. Did it was it written in the script that you were going to have long hair, or was that your idea, or how did that come about? No, I was actually I was doing a play set in the seventies at the time mm-hmm. um, with Terry Kenny. Who do you know, Terry? I mean, I know of him. I okay. know I worked with his wife, Catherine Irby. Right. Okay, and. Uh, so I already had longish hair and scruff, and um, which I felt worked in my favor. Mm-hmm. And then um, once I got cast, my first conversation with the makeup artist was at the top. I said, do not let them clean me up. And mm-hmm. she said, oh, no, darling. No, no, no. We're, we're going to dirty you <laughs> more. <laughs> I said, good. And I just, I, I just wanted to, I don't know, I didn't, I, I wanted them to... 
look a little tired, mm-hmm. a little messed up. And I don't know, the hair just kept growing. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> the so before that, um, but so before Hell, Hell on Wheels, how what was your? Do you remember kind of your first start? Of how you got in the movies? Were you in L.A.? We met in New York. We're going to get to how we met. Yeah. We met in New York, and you were doing theater. You were doing avant-garde theater with Alan Cumming. Yes, so, that's true. I was, uh, yeah, that's right. We were doing uh, L. And I and and we were at a party, and then every time you turn your back, people go, you know, he's in that movie Crossroads with Britney Spears. So I was like, well, I didn't as a as a warning. I don't, I don't know. No, people thought you were like a, you know going to be a big star or something, you know. Um, but so that so that movie, which you're working with a, a female director, yeah, was, Tamara Davis. Was that your first movie? Uh, no. That, I can't remember what number that was, but my first mon- my first movie was Tully, mm-hmm. um, which I still love. Um, and I don't but even it, know but that it came movie. out around the same time as that because it had been in the middle of a lot of different legal battles from um, the distributors, the foreign and the domestic distributor. So it finally came out after Crossroads, but we had, that was the first one I'd ever shot. Well, the thing about Crossroads that I think is interesting is that it's written by Shonda Rhimes. Wow. Right. Yeah. And directed by Tamara Davis. And, and produced so, by Ann Carley. Yeah, so it's... Had what's, two female, three female, female leads opposite me. So I was surrounded by women, which it was my pretty much my experience on Tully as well. Yeah. Um, I loved that, actually. I, I think women are much better at handling the kinds of stress we're under in filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're capable of thinking around an issue rather than trying to punch a hole in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I just feel more protected. I grew up with a single mother predominantly, and mm-hmm. so it it works for me. So when the movie, I mean, obviously you were having fun shooting the movie. I was watching on the internet all sorts of behind the scenes. And did did you think there was like undue criticism? It's just a fun movie. With, what, like, Crossroads? Yeah. Um, I get. I try not to look at that stuff. Um, it, I I knew what we were making was for yeah. adolescent girls predominantly. Right. So I, I didn't think that we were making uh, <laughs> Ben Hur too, but uh, no. I, but it's enjoyable. It's got an enjoyable it, story. Dan Aykroyd. Did you it, like working? Did you know? Did you get? He was any, fun. Yeah, did you have any interaction fun. with Dan Aykroyd? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We talked. We talked about music uh, a bit, and uh, he he was a hoot. Um, uh, but those girls were really just a delight mm-hmm. to be around. Uh, we would go out and got to know each other pretty well. And it's weird. Filmmaking is like summer camp, isn't it? Like oh, completely. You have this really intense yeah. experience with people, and then everybody goes their separate way. Uh-huh. And every now and then you'll bump into them and reminisce. Do you, ru- do you run into Britney Spears at all? Did you ever keep in touch? I haven't run into Br- we, uh, we were in... She never made another we, movie. I was... Now, I ran into her once or twice. Mm-hmm. Um, we exchanged on uh, MySpace or Facebook or something like that at one point. <laughs> I don't think... When I, she was under an alias and I was not yet. I love um, it. I want and, to know her alias. Uh, no, I haven't. I, and I bumped into Tam... Tar- to uh, sorry, Zoe, once yeah, Zoe Saldana saw Taryn at a at a um, a Christmas party at at Leah Delaria's like a year and a half ago. Uh huh. <laughs> feels seems like it was yesterday. Just time starts to fly, you know. So you did Crossroads, and I and uh, and then you're in New York doing the theater, um, and that's when we met. So you're doing, and then what happened kind of after? Well, first of all, we, we do have to touch slightly on how we met because we it, it is the Tamara thinks it's the best meet cute ever. I do, I do, and we have a photo, Steve. Oh, oh we have my a photo. God. Let's yeah. get the photo up there. Uh-huh. Let's see. Yo, is that us? <laughs> <laughs> Forever uh, on the internet. Now yeah. you're our, welcome, Tide. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were doing so, uh, right. So if anybody can't hear, uh, is not seeing the video. Yeah, describe what's happening there. I have very neither one of us have. I first of all, I never surfed in my life, and I met Anson like minutes before neither we. Neither I. Uh, yeah, I and uh, we had a mutual friend, Cynthia Raleigh, who told me to. You know, oh, we want you to be in this fashion show. She never said you're not going to be wearing any clothing, and they, you know, she. <laughs> At the last is, I like your hat, though. 
That hat is awesome. I do not remember wearing. So we did this thing, and then we all got crazy. We jumped in the pool. It was a little bit of like, oh, this is kind of it was fun, you know. If you if so, if you Google your two names and yeah. Cynthia Rowley, um, the, there are lots of fo- like the pool photos are there. Yeah. So just letting I always know wanted to see more. It's quite fun. It was like a fashion thing yeah. that Cynthia Cynthia Look put at us. together, Jesus and Christ. some some kind of charity was was attached. I, I don't remember. even know. So we had a wild, crazy affair that night, right? No, <laughs> it looks like look at this photo. Yeah. It does. I, I Look at this photo. I love it. I was yeah. saying to Tara, I was like, and I thought I was fat. Like, <laughs> you look amazing. No, you yeah. both look amazing. Um, I was not prepared for this, but that that's, you know, but we, uh, but we, yeah, we had fun. You and it great. Led to, right? Yeah. yeah. That led yeah. to a, like a crazy, that, but that was fun. So it's there on the internet. I love it. Right. And that's how we met. <laughs> I mean, you you, wanted, you tried to tell me you were a serious actor after that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm doing an Alan Cumming play. It's uh, avant garde. You no, may I want met it. you. I met. Sh- I think I met so anyway, you through. And we've Alan, been friends actually. ever since. I think I, I met hope you before. So. At the yeah. the fundraiser for that theater company that Alan was, yeah, yeah. it was all part of the same sort of crazy uh, yeah. summer. Yeah. So we sort of kept in touch, and then I was doing a movie called Walk the Talk. That's right. And I with begged, Chris Pratt with Chris, yeah, with that guy. <laughs> Whatever happened to him? Yeah, that it never it, works now. That I, you know how many movies this has happened to me on, like Kate Mara. I'm like, okay, all I need to do is like some five hundred thousand dollar movie and, <laughs> and make somebody one, else a star. <laughs> one person in it, yeah. and in that case, it was Chris Pratt. Yeah. But I begged you to do to come in and do, and it was a small part, but we had fun because I wanted to work with you. It, We'd never actually worked it together. It was so much fun. I to this day I have not seen it. It just. I don't think it ever even got released on DVD. It was big in Sweden. It was, was it really? I, well, I remember it was Swedish financing. That's why, like, they made me dye my hair uh, blonde. It was supposed to star <laughs> Kelly Lynch, and then she dropped out. And I was friends with Carrie Elwes, and he called me and he said, "Will you be in this movie? There's just one thing: you have to dye your hair blonde." I was like, "Oh my god! I've been my whole life, I've been, <laughs> you know." And then I there was some part, and I I wanted you to be in it because I I always thought you were so talented and and oh, thank uh, you. and so we you know so we sort of stayed in touch. But then after Walk the Talk, I want to talk about something interesting with you because I feel like you got your success sort of later on. Mm. And did you ever feel did you ever feel despondent at all? Sure, you know, of course, you know, it's such a hard business. And, um, but now that you're famous, it seems like, oh, you was always famous and successful, but you weren't. But I remember yeah. that, yeah. like, you know, as I said, I would run run into you and I'd be like, oh, why isn't this guy like a huge star? It was, <laughs> it was job to job uh, for a long time. It still is to a degree. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit easier now. But, um, you know, when you're young and don't have a huge resume and you're competing against nine guys that look like you and mm-hmm. um it's really easy to get into that that sort of wormhole of thinking woe is me and this is mm-hmm. so hard and uh, i should quit and <laughs> uh and then you look back and you're like you know what i actually haven't had to work other jobs uh-huh. and i've been i've been able to do this even though i've really had to work at it um I, yeah, no. I mean, I, it sure as hell beats digging ditches. But you, but you had such a great philosophy. I remember. Do you remember your little? You had this a little tiny place in Santa Monica. Yeah. And then, like, you were, you would, but like, you would always, you were very smart about, like, you you had sublet it, and you you were just like the life of an actor. Yeah, yeah. I tried to do the bicoastal thing for a while, and it ended up driving me utterly insane. And it's hard. And you also had other extra curricular activities you would do painting yeah and... i climbed a lot at that time and yeah and, and you're always doing something there's interesting. one thing that i've really learned and and i i taught for a while and this is one of the only consistent things that i shared with every single class that i taught mm-hmm. was that you have got to have something outside of acting or you will go insane mm-hmm. you have to have something to go and do directly after an audition or you will go nuts. Uh-huh. You have to have a you in your life that has nothing to do with this craziness. Right. You know, and that, that took me a while to learn. There was nobody there to teach me that. It was trial and error. Mm-hmm. And it was just about growing up to the point that you can know what it is that you need to function. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's almost that beautiful 
part of your life that when you're in acting school and you're just looking at paintings and going to museums and going to theater and then you once you start just trying to make it that all goes out the window and you don't do it anymore no it's so, so, i did and that's why i went back to new york is because yeah. it's harder to do that here it is and in new york it's very easy to do mm-hmm. that there you just sometimes you you forget that you're in New York and mm-hmm. you live there for that reason. Yeah. And you have to keep reminding yourself of it. Um, but I've, I, I have a, an incredible group of very curious-minded friends mm-hmm. who are constantly dragging me out to see some crazy thing or another right. or creating some crazy thing or another that I'm going to see. Mm-hmm. And, and, now, and, now, and I have a fiancé who's an artist and it's... It's good. It's a good life. Aww. I need a place upstate, though. That's next. Oh, upstate New York. Yeah, I need, we need, we're gonna get a place in the mountains so we can kind of do both. That's the hub. Yeah. I hear. I hear. That's where everybody. That's where everybody is. I'm not there, but but if anybody wants to, see, I don't want a hub. I just want a patch of woods in the mountains that I don't see <laughs> anybody. Go outside your door and and see the Cohen brothers. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sneak over. I'd be, I say I'd be constantly auditioning. I, you don't want me as your neighbor. Okay, another time I went to visit you, you're doing the the uh, one of the law, uh, the high profile um, Law and Order spinoff show in New York. Really? Do you remember what, that? When did I did I see? Did I, I came to the set. I've stalked you and followed you your whole career. Oh, you came to the set? <laughs> yes. Where? where some, oh, that's some, right. Where were we? Um, you were like at a courthouse or something. I don't yeah, know why. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Came right. To visit yeah, you. Yeah. But it was uh, again. It was a very high profile, high profile show. You know, all these uh, hopes for it, but then again, it didn't. You know, and I thought you really popped in it, and but it just again, it didn't really go anywhere. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying, like, did you feel any? When that show didn't go, did you feel like, well, it's Dick Wolf? I mean, come on. Like, you don't feel yeah. any disappointments. Oh, no. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Like, it's what a, am I doing wrong here? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, the, the, the show, you can only be, you can't Timing. be responsible for an entire show. You just, like, it's back to square one, kind of. Especially when it do, it doesn't make a mark like that. Yeah. And it only goes for, like, 13 episodes, and you... You walk into the NBC party and there's Dick sitting at the bar and looking straight at the door because he's waiting for you and you know he's got bad news. Oh, <laughs> you no. Know? Um, and what does his bad news sound like? It's very straightforward and and sincere. <laughs> it's your fault. It's, it's not my fault. No, it, he no, rips. He just rips off the Band-Aid and oh, is... is kid. Uh, apologetic, but but no sense of depression. It's just on to the next thing. Yeah, you know. And so I kind of tried to take that energy and apply it to myself. Yes, because you don't get to be Dick Wolf by sitting around and moping and feeling yeah. sorry for yourself. You know? Well, that's why I say for you to go from that show where you're playing a lawyer, which could have been your trajectory, mm-hmm. in in a weird way, doesn't it seem like? Thank God that it didn't go. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah. You, because then that's what ended up leading. Then the next time I saw you was in uh, Hell on Wheels. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in preparation, we were talking before, we both have a love of Lee Marvin. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the great Lee Marvin. Oh, you know, yeah. You know what I love about Lee Marvin? I didn't know this before doing research for him because I was presenting an award to his family. Yeah. But you know how you got to start acting? No. So, okay. <laughs> so... After the military, he was a plumber's apprentice in Woodstock. Okay. And he was at the theater, the Woodstock Theater, Mm -hmm. fixing something. And one of the actors was sick. And the either the director or the artistic director said, hey, you ever done any acting? (laughs) And he was like, no. (laughs) And they said, well, would you like to try it? He was like, sure. So they got him into costume. They he got his lines down, and he went on, and he was bitten by the bug. Wow! And then it was on to New York City, and uh, you know the rest is history. Yeah, I, no one looks like Lee Marvin, but uh, before or since, no one. And no, nobody. He was just a natural talent. Yeah, and I'm sure he got went and got some classes, but. He had a presence and an yeah. intelligence and a, a, a trust of his own pr- 
presence mm-hmm. uh, that not all, I, virtually nothing was manufactured with him. Mm-hmm. It was just sincere, and you rarely see that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, and that kind of persona, that ma- uh, masculine. That, I want to talk a little bit about in Westerns and the persona, the masculine persona of the West is mm-hmm. that, which is one of the things I really loved, again, about the show. It it, it was, you know, it, ha- it explores like that, Ameri- that lost American male. Was that something you thought about at all in when you were doing it? I mean, it's got this classic story. Well, for those of people who haven't seen the classic story of your your character, he loses his wife. Yeah, I, I did. I sure. I mean, I, I originally thought thought of that because I of the audition process. I almost didn't even get considered for the role. Mm-hmm. Um, I found out later because um, the director David Von Anken and the Gaten brothers um, they had, had had to push a bit for an American to be seen because when they these days and I'm not kidding when there is a hyper masculine role uh, the casting directors these days tend to just start calling people who represent Australians and and the Gatons are very adamant that they wanted they would really like it to be um, now don't get me wrong the cast the casting directors were actually big supporters of me and as soon as Mm -hmm. they heard that I was the first name that they right came up with but they were really really into the idea of it being an, an american particularly a southern american so i think that that helped me right because there was there was a lot of competition for that role yeah and um then i i thought about it because when have in having to really consider the heart of what the western is um you start to realize that the the vehicle of the western is that it takes place in a kind of feudal time almost pure lawlessness um or loose lawlessness and you you know there's these what's why Sergio Leone's photography was so great is the sense of the the landscape swallowing these men Mm -hmm. and the idea is okay if I were in this position in terms of the audiences uh, watching this uh, is what I have would my gut get me through Mm -hmm. and you watching your protagonist have to listen to something internal rather than something that's been put upon him externally by law or Mm -hmm. uh, society. And yeah, I I think that there is a loss of the American male. Uh, We become so, we become so almost institutionalized in how we function or don't function that I think, and we're so spoiled. uh, We're, we're so wealthy in general that it's easy to think we're invincible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Nothing bad could come of this, that we will never see civil strife again. And, um, that le- leads to just being generally mindless or mm-hmm. out of out of touch with your that gut thing that gut instinct and so i but in a weird way i think that's what makes the inter- the western so interesting now is because it fell out of fashion for so yeah. long and then now yeah. it's that it is that thing and i think it fell out of fashion possibly because we've gotten into a, a golden age with cg we can now instead of looking into our past we can look into our future and but I still think it's cool to look into. Oh our my past. god! Well, they, again, the central uh, storyline of the, the, you know, the building of the railroad and uh, what this does to America, and that you can now travel and uh, see other cultures. It was the, the beginning of us becoming a superpower. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, another great thing about the show is again your your relationship with Comet. I thought was just. Oh, he's great. I'm hoping he's going to. He's gonna, a wonderful be... actor. I mean, I remember the first yeah. time watching the show. I was like, that guy's a good actor. Yeah. And um, yeah, he's a lovely guy. I, I really enjoyed working with him, and I'm hoping I'm going to see him when I get back to New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's he's he's been a little busy recently. Yeah, <laughs> in case I've you heard. haven't noticed, I've heard I've heard good things about him. Yeah. Um, the look of the show. What was the deciding factor? It's got a wonderful look. It almost reminds me a little bit of like McCabe and Mrs. Miller. It's got that kind of vibe. Oh yeah, and and, and you well, worked in Canada, Canadian yeah. tundra or Calgary. 
Calgary yeah. is a big Western type city, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a rodeos big and cattle industry, and uh, they call it the most American province uh-huh. for that reason. But um, uh, two two things: John Blackie, our designer. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I think if anybody had deserved an Emmy nomination, it was it was him because every year he had to. It's a mo- it was a mobile storyline, so he had to rebuild the set every yeah. every year and did a phenomenal job. Uh, and and then Marvin Rush, our director of photography, I, I've often been quoted as saying he was actually the star of Hell on Wheels. Uh, he was just an absolute um, creative genius and um, worked harder than just about anybody I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we we really danced well together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The show never got sloppy in terms of its uh, camera work. It didn't. No, yeah, it no. never got like, yeah. oh, geez, now they're just going to do That's, study cam. And that was on Marvin and his yeah. team. They just were beautiful. really phenomenal. And now I want to talk. What we were talking about at the top is uh, another. The great thing about the show is your use of props. And I mentioned <laughs> that uh, Burt Lancaster was obsessed with his props and mm-hmm. learning, and he would practice. You know, uh, a month in advance for you know, like when he did the train, he. You know, learned how to drive a train and guns and horses. And I was saying in those days, people actually, they had their own, you know, like Duke Wayne had his own horse at the (laughs) studio. (laughs) Can you imagine a day when you had a time where Jimmy Stewart had his own horse? So great. But tell me about, because you were excellent with guns and working with all of your... It didn't come naturally. I mean, I grew Uh, up with guns, but not period guns. And and you just, you have to have that thing... um, particularly in, in film and television, where you just have an obsessive personality mm-hmm. in terms of getting things into the muscle memory of your body like a dancer would. Mm-hmm. Or you, all of us have a body. If, you're not, if you don't know how to do it, we see it. Right. And it really make, makes a real difference. So, yeah, I wanted things. And there's a lot of props in Westerns. A lot of props. Yeah, ropes. So and- in the second season, there was... Uh, a scene where there was going to be a, um, a shootout where I, uh, my character had run out of bullets and um, calmly changed the cylinder in the gun as he's walking towards the guy who's shooting at him yeah. to unnerve the guy. Um, and I wanted to do it w- without looking down. So um, beginning about a week and a half, two weeks out, our, our uh, armorer, a great guy, great night again and bill kent he uh he would just start slapping the gun in my hand as soon as i showed up to work every day with an extra cylinder and uh uh brian kent sorry and i would just drill this when the camera wasn't rolling on and on and on and on and on mm-hmm. and this was this is i st- actually stole the move from clint eastwood and uh uh pale rider he did this but he was work. he was using a cartridge conversion pistol which is a much easier process to change the cylinder than uh-huh. it is with a with a uh, 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 ball and powder loader yeah and um yeah I, we managed to get it uh and i and it, it's it's i don't know those little things that make all the difference to me mm-hmm. that make me uh i just i hear this these things about tom cruise and he just he he rehearses during lunch and he stays later than everybody and he, he he's in, he's obsessive about all of the choreography with his stunt team. Yeah. And you know, I, I just figure the hardest worker wins mm-hmm. every time. I think it's something that um, and we talk about. I was mentioning at the show. Sometimes there's a tendency today for like, don't touch that. Pro-, you know, like. Okay. I can't touch anything. <laughs> right. You know, like the wait, she, oh, she wants to pour coffee. <laughs> like, you're like, really? You know, you're like, well, I'm, I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, so yeah. we've gotten away from, yeah. you know, people doing. Whereas in the old days, I think Everly Marvel is people. I mean, yeah, they look really comfortable with a gun. Yeah, or hitting someone. I, I, I Were you ever it's... in a fight like before? Did you ever? I mean, you ever like? Did you have any knowledge of fighting before? Like all this just survival growing up, you yeah. Know, being but again choreographing fights. Um, I mean, it's challenging. I, my, my wrestling background has come in handy, but yeah. punching and kicking is a different kind of beast. 
And is that a challenge where, again, I find that one, you know, I'm luckily I'm it's never di- yeah, with, it's, with a camera it's and hitting. Hard, uh, and it's harder to learn how to sell a punch <sighs> than to actually do one. Yeah. And, and that just takes really um, having a good good communication with your, your yes. fight choreographer and your camera operator. Uh-huh. And uh, you, th- th- we, Common and I had like an act-long <laughs> fight scene in the first season, and we, we dedicated like um, three Saturdays in a row to, to getting this thing down. And then, of course, Adam Davidson, who was directing the episode, came in and watched it and went, no, 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 Lose it. no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> oh, do no, this. what, he simplified it? <laughs> After you did no, he that? just wanted to tell a different story. Oh. And uh, a fight, a fight a, if the best fight choreography tells a story. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, it, it still came out right. You know, all that, all that time spent in, mm-hmm. the, in, the re- in the rehearsal with Common and the DP and the fight choreographer and the stunt people, it paid off. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I... I appreciated the the science behind it. Like, mm-hmm. Just like the things that you don't think about, like knowing where your feet go, are so important. Oh God! Yeah. I mean, that's what I say. We uh, who who has a fight? You know, you, whereas you feel like Robert, you know, Robert Mitchell was in a few fights in his life. Yeah. So when he's doing them on screen, it's like they always look so real. You know, yeah. all the when you see these guys from yesteryear in fights. I'm like, yeah, they look like they've been in a few bar fights. And I I just hate the, I don't like the tropes that get accepted into Mm -hmm. film language. And then, and then, and then you, you see these things that not only have you seen before, but they make no sense. Mm -hmm. Like when a guy walks up to another guy, right? And he does this, he goes, yeah, the guy just stands there (laughs) and gets punched. It's like, what are you doing? (laughs) Were you, did you have any, were you surprised by, I always find this, like someone who is a fan that you're like, oh my God, he's watching the show or he's watching me. Did you ever have people like that in your career that have become aware of you that you didn't? Uh, Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff happens Um, off the top of my head. uh, Winona Judd. And her husband Cactus uh-huh. Moser, they 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 were big fans of the show, and I, I met them because of that. Uh huh. And then they got, they actually got me and my fiance invited to the Kentucky Derby last year, and we all went together. Ah, uh, the best. Did you wear Did you wear a hat? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Absolutely. Oh, uh, that's the best. And a and a really ugly paisley jacket. Yeah, you got to go. Yeah. yeah, you got to go. Got to go all out. <laughs> um, another person who's very interesting who directed the show, Neil LeBute. Yeah, did some of the shows. What was th- what was that like having him come in? He's so ur- like, did he have an urban sensibility of cut- what were <laughs> what was his what was his take on Hell on Wheels? Um, you must be very protective of the show. I mean, once the show, I mean, what people don't realize with television is like it's your show, and then mm-hmm. a new director comes in. Yeah, and right. there's a, there must be a certain hesitance and or excitement when somebody new is coming in and will it maintain the fla- the same flavor? Well, I mean, there was never really much tension because AMC has just such a high standard in terms of its directors and it's a very mm-hmm. small pool of people. And even getting somebody approved mm-hmm. uh, in to add them to that pool of people is not easy. Right. Um, but Neil, I was very aware of his work, uh, loved his work, was a fan, mm-hmm. and then uh, was having lunch with a mutual friend who runs a, a, an experimental theater downtown and had mentioned that that Neil was a fan of the show and so mm-hmm. I called uh, John Worth our showrunner and and uh, and said hey you know can we get Neil onto the list and we just put out our last offer and then somebody dropped out and mm-hmm. then um, began the process of running running Neil's name through the gamut and mm-hmm. uh, got him on and they came in and it was his first TV job and uh, did good enough job that we continue to invite him back as mm-hmm. often as possible and everybody liked to work with him and a real writer's sensibility right you know which helps um uh it's a it's it's good to have that weapon as well mm-hmm. when you're trying because a lot of people don't realize that these scripts um depending upon who your showrunner is and where you are in your season right the scripts are usually a work in progress and um uh, especially when your writer's room is in Los Angeles and you're in Alberta, yeah, and you you know they write 
such and such happens and then you get to the set and there's it doesn't work in that space uh-huh uh or there was something that wasn't that wasn't seen as the script was being shot out of the writer's room right. at light speed uh it helps to have that so yeah did, we had a lot of great directors did uh did you ever have any women directors i don't even know we did yeah yeah we had um uh michelle mclaren mm-hmm. we had um catherine um oh my god this is so embarrassing that's okay i just forgotten um great filmmaker and i've started to do this in my 40s um oh she's she puts out like a movie a year. What is what is wrong with me right now? <laughs> this is embarrassing. Um, we had uh, which cat? Rosemary Rodriguez, Rodriguez mm-hmm. who was great. Yeah, and um, that must be cool having a woman come in testosterone loaded. I liked it a lot. Just to yeah. mix things mix things up a bit. Was there ever? Did they ever? It was important because we had female characters. Yeah, this, you know. So yeah, we tried to to get at least one one or two female directors right. in a year. So when the show was over, did you feel as an actor that you'd done everything you could do with it, that you were ready to, or did you feel um, there was more you wanted to do? Or just... I, I, depending upon how we drew out the last year of mm-hmm. the the fiction of the, the piece, we right. could have done... You know, we I think that the, the last order was fourteen to be split up into two seasons, mm-hmm. and we could either either have, we probably could have drawn it out to two thirteen episode seasons or two ten episode seasons. But um, uh, a, that was a decision of the network that had a mm-hmm. lot to do with mathematics that I just choose not to try and even understand. But, right. Um, I think that in terms of the story itself we ended at the right time and in the right place mm-hmm. with the driving of the golden spike. Yeah. Uh, we knew that that's where we were getting to. And I don't think that the story really should go too far beyond that. Mm-hmm. Or you're just kind of jumping the shark at that point. Yeah. That's, you know, that, yeah. that's a good place to end it. And I was reading that there's other shows or other actors you admire, like breaking bad. You were a big fan of breaking bad. Oh Yeah. Um, what I think about, that was the best TV show ever. Yeah, the, the acting on it was phenomenal. What about comedies? Were you, are you a comedy fan? Is there anything that you watch? I mean, my favorite show when I was a kid was the Andy Griffith show. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and I grew up watching Cheers, <laughs> you know. And uh, I like Don Knotts is the greatest. And these days, I think the best show on TV is Transparent. Yeah, Transparent Although I think there's an argument to be made that it almost should not be in the comedy category. No, that show it's, is so yeah. heartbreaking. Yeah, and, I don't find it to be well done, but because it's in half an hour, this this half hour hour stuff is just I know. Well, a now bit everybody silly. watches things like binge watching. So, and and I'm not sure how much longer we're going to be seeing things that are strictly half hour and an hour. It's, I don't I don't think that the I think it's an unnecessary arbitrary mm-hmm. size now, right? Unless you're, I mean, obviously in the world of commercial television, it makes uh-huh. sense, but. As we move further and further from that, I'm hoping that it just things become the the length that they need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I still like the sort of a two hour movie. To you know, I, I'm I'm so programmed into you know because I, I find when I binge watch, it's like the last it 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 does a disservice to the last like three or four episodes because uh-huh. I've already I'm like melded. It's enjoyable, yeah, but it's probably not as good as like the. You should take a break. You should just like watch <laughs> it, appreciate it, right? Because you know, it all starts to meld into, you know. Now, in terms, are you talking? Are you asking me in terms of my favorite comedy films? Yeah, what comedy films do you like? Uh, Office Space immediately comes to mind. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, I reference that all the time. Yeah, Doctor Strangelove. Yeah, that's, uh, that's happening currently. So that's mm-hmm. that's almost not even a, a movie anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's like, you know, sort of real life. Um, so now I want to get into a little bit of uh, the um, you're you're in you've entered the Marvel comic universe. Did yeah. they have to? Did you have to sign papers in blood and not talk about like how does? That the current oh, yeah. sometimes like these days, if you audition for things, they send you like twenty papers uh, to to you know 
to sign. Yeah, no, I think that if I say anything about the show, they get my first child or something, or, <laughs> or they cut off a finger. Oh, is that all? Oh, come on, it's yeah. worth it. Yeah, it's a bit like working for the CIA sometimes. But I you can say. T- you can can you talk about the audition? What, what can you talk about? Just be, that you're in well, it, and you're the, excited. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I can tell you about my show in the world, and yeah. the, the back, the backstory, and yeah. all of that stuff. But no, I didn't have to audition, but not because I'm a big shot or anything, <laughs> because the, the the role is impossible to audition. Because um, what's really cool is I I play Black Bolt, yeah, who's the king of the Inhumans, and he he does not speak. Yeah, and the. He doesn't speak not because he's mute. He's he doesn't speak by choice because his um, his power is that uh, his voice is uncontrollably powerful, and it, if he speaks, it can he could kill his people. Uh huh. So I had to um, in order to do the role, I had to uh, invent my own sign system, uh, and that was mm-hmm. exactly the kind of geeky thing I really enjoy wow. doing. <laughs> and so I I actually I'll show you the. Yeah, show me the Google Doc that I've. Because while you do keeping. that, I'll turn off my phone, which is very, which is I can't believe I did that on the. As we take a moment, please, please get yourself a beverage, anyone. <laughs> while, while we check, while we create some dead air and. Yeah, so I. Off. In order to keep it consistent and not, yeah. um, not look like crap. Let's I, I decided I needed to know what I was saying, even if right. nobody and else did. did. So, you, so I just started keeping a glossary of all the signs. Now, and are you involved at all with the look? Did you get a chance to do to to help with the look at all, or they they tell you what to do? Um, you mean the sign? Yeah. No, that's all me. Oh, I, I met with a sign consultant a couple of times, and, uh-huh. and to just I wanted to learn sort of the underlying rules of ASL, right? But I couldn't. It couldn't be as ASL because he's not from Earth. He wouldn't yeah. know that. So. I just want to learn how ASL makes it so efficient. And mm-hmm. then I wanted to make sure that the signs themselves were my own thing. Uh-huh. Um, and actually, the creation of the language was not the difficult part. Uh, I thought it would be, but it wasn't. What The difficult part was just getting to where the, the mind-mouth connection to the mind-hand connection was right. so much harder than yeah. anything I'd anticipated. And I just had to drill it and 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 drill it so I could actually pay attention to the person mm-hmm. in front of me while I was on set. So you told me another thing that was interesting, that you you filmed it in IMAX. So what... We filmed the first two in IMAX. And, and what does that mean? Like, what is the camera? Well, what the camera they... is... is um, The camera shoots 6K, um, I believe, in the 70 millimeter format. Okay, wow. And it's cool. uh, meant to be projected very large. Yeah. Uh, requires a lot more post, and the the bodies of these cameras are seven hundred thousand dollars each. Now, does this require more lighting or any? I, you any... know, I don't know. So, uh, just look. Does sure. it look like a normal camera? It uh, no. It okay. it doesn't look like. It doesn't look like the old IMAX film cameras, but uh-huh. it certainly does not look. It's bigger than the current um, television film digital standard, mm-hmm. the Alexa. Um, and we, uh, and it's, it's 600 special effects cues in the first two episodes. So it was a lot of like, look over there is an imaginary dog. Right. Look over there. There's somebody's superpower. Yeah. Look over there is the moon. Okay. There's a tank coming at you. They're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, but it was fun. It was, yeah. And, uh. We'll get to see it. Uh, it premieres in IMAX theaters, the first two episodes, on September 1st. Right. And then uh, we are on ABC starting uh, September 29th mm-hmm. with with uh, 10 more minutes of footage. And so this puts you into the whole like Comic-Con universe. Oh, we went to Comic-Con, yeah. Was this your first time? First time. We, yeah, so what's it that? It was great. What is that? It's crazy. The, it's like the a fans whole... were fantastic. Aww. It was. It was so. And I was the organization. <laughs> I shocked you, like they know your history. It's like having family, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, and they're really cool. They're really yeah. chill. They're so used to cele- celebrities, actors, singers, whatever coming there that it's they're not. You know, everybody assumes that all the fans like freak out. They don't freak out. They're just like, "Hey, welcome!" And that's yeah. great. I walked the floor with my fiance. We had a great time. Fans came up, talked to us. Yeah, I interviewed them for my podcast. Um, uh, I was really impressed with the organization 
of Comic-Con mm-hmm. and the organization of Marvel at Comic-Con. It yeah. was a just a greased machine mm-hmm. the whole time. And uh, and really had a lot of fun. Even yeah. though it was, a, it, was a, it was some work, but it was a lot of fun. I think Comic-Con has really sort of surpassed, like, Sundance or Cannes in terms mm. of excitement. Well, it's the it's the Americana. one thing it's the one thing that we go to the fans. Yeah, which is what I like about it. And I saw a pink Chewbacca. <laughs> that was fun. Though actually, the coolest thing that I saw at Comic Con this year, you know those you know those guys you see in front of uh, uh, car dealerships, the inflatable tall. Oh inflatable yeah, yeah, guy, yeah. yeah. So there was a guy who dressed up as one of those and went oh. and stood next to one of those and just stood oh. there all day going. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's great. I've never been to Comic-Con. One of these days, I'll be, I'll, I'll. So leading into that, the role of fans and social media and our, do you communicate with, I, I, you know, communicate with your fans. This, you're going to have to, do they encourage you to, to? Not really. Um, uh, I, I. I mean, but being part of the Marvel universe, I would think is such a, it's, it's just such a different world. Where the fans are so yeah, I'm definitely immersed. getting a few, a few, a few people different from that fans. from that different fans from that world who are who are wishing us luck and Aww. and um, I, I I try to respond yes uh, every now and then, but I'm also I try to stay as focused as possible during my day. It's, yeah, it you don't really think you're black bolt, do you ever? Does it go to? Do you feel like you have superpowers? Uh, my fiance <laughs> will quickly tell you that no, I do not have any superpowers. When, when I can't, when I can't properly, you know, keep the bathroom clean, then uh, you know, maybe that would be my superpower. Oh, oh uh, that's a good one. Yeah, I wa- the... and walk into any bathroom and it's just spotless. Oh, I like that one. That are that are frequent flyer moms. I'd like to walk into any room and have everyone applaud for me. That would be my. <laughs> Be, is it too needy? You're of me? famous, but only in bathrooms, <laughs> <laughs> yes. right? Um, so we don't have much time left. So t- tell me about your pod. So you're doing a podcast yeah, now. It's going to be called The Well. We launch in late September, around okay. the time of the show. And where will where does one find this? Uh, it'll be on all major platforms: iTunes, mm-hmm. Stitcher, Google Play. Mm-hmm. And uh, my producing partner and I, Brandon Hedgens. Um, we decided to do uh, an interview-based show that was uh, different mm-hmm. in a couple of different ways. Uh, number one, we wanted to do something in which we asked people questions not about wh- what it is that they do, which inevitably leads to the same 10 questions they always get. Mm-hmm. We wanted to do a show about thinking outside the box and people's relationship to creativity and how to set themselves apart from the competition. Um, and so we're interviewing not just celebrities, but um, the uh, coach June Jones, who performed the greatest college football turnaround in history, mm-hmm. a maritime historian, um, a theoretical physicist, a famous um, uh, political strategist, and then yeah, Evan Longoria. <laughs> right? yeah. We're going to do as wide a possible look at this as mm-hmm. we as we can and we also wanted to do something different than most of the other interview programs out there that are more or less um uh a conversation that is as it is mm-hmm. uh we wanted to do something a little bit more story based where we find the person's story and then we go in and we edit mm-hmm. so episodes will be typically between 20 minutes and 35 minutes a little mm-hmm. bit more bite sizable and um it's going great. It's it's been fascinating, and I've been learning uh, sound editing and and all that crazy stuff that I had no idea I would geek out over. But it's it's a lot of fun. Something to fall back on. And I've caught myself doing that thing that we do as oh that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I've caught myself doing that thing that we do as actors. Is I've started when I love podcasts and that, but now I've started like picking them apart and looking for the seams. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I just like it because it reminds me of radio. You know, I'm mm-hmm. always listening to NPR, and, you know, I'm in the background. I, I like hearing people's voices and stories. And Yeah, me too. This is kind of an interesting thing. So my last question is, uh, teach us how to be a – what are the rules of being a Southern gentleman? Is there any good rules? Uh, you have a mother that w- is willing to slap you on the back of the head if you don't hold the door open for her. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> or so- hold the chair at the dinner table for her. 
Okay. Real oh, so so this is yeah because I was in South Carolina, and it took me like a day to realize like why do they keep standing up every time I go to the <laughs> What is is something wrong with me? Right. And then I was like, yeah. oh, I'm in the South, and it's like I love it. I mean, I I love it. So you so one stands. Right, briefly, when the lady every time a lady gets up, you stand briefly. Yeah, that's the idea. Anything else? And when we're at McDonald's, you know, we don't (laughs) tend to do that. Although that would be good. If we're at a formal dinner, then yeah, yeah, that would be good. Uh, What uh, what else? Any other? Um, A lot of people. A lot of I discovered men outside the South do not know this that when you're walking down a sidewalk with a woman, you are supposed to walk closest to the street. Yes, I like that. Yeah. I, I like that. I'm, what about taking a woman's arm when you cross the street? Yeah, that's that's a that's a good idea. That yeah, that's uh and, and if only if you know the woman. <laughs> <laughs> Just grab it. You don't walk through Soho her. and go, Here, let me help you, little lady. <laughs> what that about, doesn't tend to work in New York. Do you do ma'am versus miss? Yes, ma'am. I always say ma'am. That, I always say ma'am. You always say ma'am. Yeah. So that's another miss, nice miss can sound a little sharp. Uh huh. If if not uh, handled yes, correctly. Ma'am. Yeah, yeah. And what's the greatest? But I always get, you know, outside the South, women really they get offended by that. Oh, they do because they associate it with age. Oh, I and see. And where I'm from, it has nothing to do with age. Yeah, yeah. It's just being polite. Uh, yeah. Do you have a favorite uh, uh, Southern rock song, or what's the greatest Southern? You know, oh, or, yeah. Or Southern song, classic song. Um. Do you have any Shannon Doe? Do you have any great, like, Southern classic songs that you like? I'm coming up. Bluegrass? Yeah, I, you know, I grew up playing bluegrass fiddle. So, yeah, I really like the Del McCory band, and I like Steve Earle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you did you like Glenn Campbell at all? I was obsessed. Oh, yeah. I was so yeah, that was sad. So, but he left They played, music. I heard a radio program when I was in the car last night, and they played his uh, last song that he wrote and recorded oh. for his wife. Killer. I'm not gonna miss you. Yeah, that's it. That'll destroy you. That song. He was amazing. He was just, uh, you know, so much a part of American, American music. I, I loved him. Well, anyway, well, Anson, thank you so much for, for being here. It was a pleasure. I know. And now we're gonna end, and I'll do your, your, your podcast. There you go. I All won't right. be half as interesting though. Look for Anson's <laughs> podcast, The Well, coming out in September. You can find Anson on Twitter and Instagram at An- uh, Anson Mount. Yes. Thank you. Try to um, rent, walk the talk. Uh, buy Ileana's book. It's out in paperback and only paperback. So That's you right, get only it paperback they now. they run out of print copies of it. I know. Um, also check out our Facebook page and the website, ilianaspodcast.com. That is right. And as I always say, everyone's life is a, like a movie with a beginning and a middle and an end. Today's movie starred Anson Mount and myself and Tamara Berg. Well, so bet. thank you so much for being here, Anson. Have a wonderful day. I'm glad we were in bathing suits together just once. <laughs> It'll be there forever. When I, when I pass, please, can that be one of my photos that they rotate on CNN? For sure. <laughs> Multiple yeah. times. We'll make sure. You heard it somewhere. here first. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Everybody. Have a great Bye. day. Yeah. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.